here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start kind of a new series, and then uh, the weeks, there's revival next week, and uh, so I'm going to bump through a little bit on some of these. Um, but I'm going to start tonight kind of laying a little bit of a preface and go into the lesson, so I'm going to repeat some uh, a little bit, so hopefully just kind of delve into this just a little bit. But we're going to start with this, with the story or the idea, and, you, and hopefully I can just launch into this and most will know where I am here. God meets Moses at the burning bush. Okay, he was out in the wilderness, burning bush. And we'll, again, we're going to go in depth in just a second, but let me, let me put some framework here so we know what to, how, uh, how to build on. God calls Moses by name comes to him, God Almighty, and says, Moses, Moses. Through the course of this conversation, Moses asks God, well, who am I, who, who am I to tell the people that, um, that sent me? God replies, I am who I am. Sort of sounds like odd verbiage to us, but simply put, God was saying, he exists. God is. God has been he is in this moment, and he always will be God. You want to make your head rattle, think about the concept there was never a beginning to God. Where do you, where do you even put that in your head? There will never be an end to God. Where, where do you put that even? How, everything we know has a beginning and ending. But God said, I am who I am. That means the rest of us must be I am not. I'm not the I am. I'm not God. Some people better, better be very thankful because if I had that power. But I am not God. God has always been, always will be. My name is, I never have been and never will be God. So many of us have spent our lives trying to do more, to gain more, to accomplish more, to be more influential, to get ahead, to lead the way. So this message of I'm not kind of flies in the face or is an attack on our ego. It's an affront to this pursuit of being all that we can be. Again, we're going to have to balance this. You have to work with me here on some of this. This fact that I am not does not require us to put ourselves down, but rather what this idea of I am not, it allows me to embrace the fact that we have already achieved the greatest heights simply because we know the I am. This is going to be kind of a bumpy series because I'm going to hit hard on our ego. I'm going to punch on our pride a little bit. But we may have huge dreams and giant, uh, grandiose goals and ideas. And what fuels us on this journey is the belief that we can do more. We can achieve more. We can be more. And again, I, I worked hard on this because I'm the one that says everybody's important. Everybody has a destiny. Everybody's a key to the puzzle. The Bible says we're all the, we're all the children of God. The Bible talks about we're fitly framed together. Everybody, if you're not here, it's important because you're part of the puzzle piece and you make the whole picture. And we say those things, and I believe from one angle that's true, but from a bigger angle, maybe it's not as true as we want to buy into sometimes. But coming to the terms 
coming to terms with the ideas that we are not the I am doesn't mean we have to relinquish our goals and dreams and our destiny, anything like that. But really it's contrary to that because the I am is with us. He's the one that inspires us. He's the one that helps us every day in life. So this idea of admitting I am not, I'm not the I am, simply put, you ready for some of these? We're not in control. We're not running anything. We're not responsible for everyone else's well-being. We're not the solution for everything and everyone. We are not the center of it all. That really doesn't belittle us, ladies and gentlemen. That should free us. I don't have to be in complete control of this church because I'm the pastor, nor should I be, nor do I want to be because I can't be. This is his church. I play a role in this church as well as you do, but it should liberate us in the fact of I can't control you. I don't want to control you. You can't control your children. You don't want to control them. Leave them in God's hands. He's the great I am. And as small as we are, and we're going back to look at that even more tonight in just a, just a little bit, but this idea that we are very, very little. The truth is, we are known, we are loved, and we are prized by the God of all creation. He knows your name. Name something in life that eclipses that. Well, if I was a multi-billionaire, a multi-billionaire compared to the God of all creation knows exactly who you are? I don't care how much money you have. It does not eclipse that. I don't care how smart you are. It does not eclipse that. The fact we walk with God. Name something more overwhelming than that the creator of all things knows exactly who I am, where I am, what I'm thinking. He knows everything about me. As we work again through this series, we're going to wage war on two enemies of our heart. One is stress, and one seems like kind of the other end of that is meaninglessness. Okay, we're going to talk about these throughout this series a little bit, but think about this. Again, we're laying some groundwork here. If we knowingly or even unknowingly view ourselves as the source of all things for all people, if we view ourselves as Everything rises and falls on me. We slowly lose peace of mind. And we find ourselves staring at the ceiling late into the night, trying to figure out, how am I going to hold this all together? 
It was several, several months back, probably a year ago now, I had felt, I had got this uneasy feeling uh, about this church that something was wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I just knew something was bad, wrong. And I, so me, I'm just trying to think, okay, what's wrong? What could be wrong? And I felt it was a, some family issues and just something was wrong. So I thought in my mind, well, you know, if I really preach that sermon, boy, if we do this, if we, if we call a family gathering, if we do this, if I do this, and I, I was charting this out, which again, I don't think is a bad thing to do to be ahead of the game, but I was trying to think, how am I going to fix all this? Because I was, folks, when I tell you I was uneasy was an understatement. One particular night I was in bed and early that morning I, I was awake and I just wrestled the rest of the night. I was just like, oh my word, something is bad wrong at the church and I could not put my finger on it. Something's bad wrong. And so I got up the next morning and I almost told Janelle, I said, I don't know what's happening, but something's bad wrong at the church. And so I was just wrestling with this by myself. That particular morning, I got an email from someone who speaks into my life, and they said, I have a word from God for you. They sent me all this stuff and all this information, but bottom line, just to sum it up, is just stand still and let God do his job. I said, that's all I need. Let's go eat. Let's go shopping. Whatever we need to do today, let's go. Because it kind of recalibrated me a little bit. Do I need to preach good sermons? Yeah, I hope I'm doing that. I hope I do the best I can. Do, do, do we need to come to church and be faithful? Yeah, I think we need. Do we need to worship God in, in spirit and truth? Yes, all of that's all important. But ladies and gentlemen, the world does not rise and fall on you. Your family does not rise and fall on you. Well, what was Brother Blaine saying? We don't have to, we can shirk all responsibilities. I am not saying that. Please hear what I'm saying, though. That some things that we try, that we try to control so much stuff in our life that everything rises and falls on me that we either lay at night looking up to the ceiling trying to figure out how to keep it all together or we medicate ourselves just to make it through a day. This human frame was not created to carry the weight of the world. Stress kills, okay, literally, but it also kills laughter. It destroys hope. It messes up relationships. It squashes our dreams. It robs our health. It steals our praise to God. And the other enemy that we're going to talk about through this series is this idea of meaninglessness. It looks different, but it still gets a chokehold on all of us. Meaningless, this idea that woos us into spending our one shot in life on something insignificant and trivial. If we're not careful and we're not alert, we'll drift from God's power and his plan and travel that, pat, that and, and trade that passion for an easier and often more traveled road. And soon we'll find out down that road that our lives shrink into little bits of nothingness. The word says, if I gain the whole world, Every dollar, every fame, every, if I gain everything and lose my soul. What's the exchange? 
It's meaningless. It's, it's, you, you, it's a bad trade-off. We sometimes fill our days with just things that are ridiculous that we can't control, that's out of our it's out of our control. There's nothing we can do about it. And we complain sometimes over the smallest challenge or an upset. And we, we chase things sometimes that are so fleeting. So to both stress and meaningless stuff, I want to say in this series, enough. Let's refocus here. Let's recalibrate where we are here. Let's start down this path of he has to increase, and I have to decrease. He has to be in charge, and I have to just come alongside of him as laborers together. Can we say that life is maybe a tale of two stories? One that's tiny and frail, and the other that's eternal and enduring. The tiny one, if you haven't figured it out, that's us. Brief, a vapor, the Bible says. Here today and soon forgotten. I, I mean, I don't mean to be mean, but ladies and gentlemen, it ain't gonna take very many generations before your name is completely forgotten. I don't care how hard you work. I don't care what you leave. And again, I'm wrestling with this because I think the Bible talks about leaving a good name. The Bible talks about having a legacy and all that. But for a legacy of what? Doing things for the kingdom or building my kingdom? What if they forgot my name? Okay. But what if 10,000 people's in heaven because of me? Then forget my name. That's the legacy we need to work for. The, the, the tiny, the brief, the vapor, that's us. Yet somehow we get so infatuated with our own little story. We're determined to make it so big and so prominent and so important. And I think that sometimes blinds us to this massive story of God that is all around us every day. And that massive story that you and I can be a part of. So, so I know it's going to sound like I'm, I'm trying to tell you, and I'm taking this slow so you understand where we get us on the same page. But you're nothing. You count for nothing. Y'all are worthless. I'm not saying that. But I am going to try to say that it ain't all about you. It ain't about your happiness. It ain't about how much money you have. This ain't about you. This is not about making your story bigger and better. But it's about waking up to what you can be a part of. And you can be a part of his story and his plan. And you can also discover that you're invited by Almighty God to be with him and to do his work and his will. God is God. He's the author, the sustainer of everything. 
He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. All things begin and end with him. From him, every living thing draws their breath. In him, everything is held together. He is center stage in history, in eternity, and in everything and every way. It's all about him. That means it's not about me. The story already has a star, already has a main character. And it ain't you. If we don't get the two stories straight, that we're the tiny story and he's the big story, we're the frail ones, he's the almighty one, we're the finite ones, he's the infinite ones, our lives are going to be very, very out of sync. So if we don't get them right, we're going to spend our days trying to hijack what God is doing and trying to attempt to do in our lives and through us. So I would say we need a fresh awareness of God's story that you and I can be a part of every single day. It requires a lot of work. It requires us to be alert. It requires a constant choice of what am I doing this for? Talk to somebody just the other day, and I've done this so often. When I used to teach college, there's different things in classes. We'd be talking about something. I just whip around on that whiteboard, and I just write real big on that whiteboard motive, and I would ask that over and over. What is your motive? What is my motive? Why do I want to preach good sermons? Oh, man. <laughs> Get asked to preach around the country and the world. And I... So everybody comes up and slaps my back. Oh, you're almighty God. Do I want to preach good sermons? Yep. Think I need to do justice to the word of God. Why? But why? If it has anything to do with me, my motive's wrong. Why do you come to church? Well, you know, I just want people to see me. Well, I'm pretty important around here. And your motive's wrong. I'm glad you're here because the Spirit can get a hold of you and get convicted and come to the altar and pin over that one. Everything. What is our motive behind it? What are we doing? Bringing stuff to a conscious level. Is this about me or is this about his kingdom? Is this about what I want or is this about his will? Is this about what I should do or is this about what he wants me to do? We have got to get to that beautiful place of surrender. That place where we give in and give up on the story of us and step in and join God's story and his plan. When we truly abandon the tiny story of me and focus on this great and embrace this great great eternal story of God, that's when our lives will be filled with absolute awe and wonder of what God can do through us. Here's the thing with us humans. If I ask you if God was big, really, really big, I think everybody in here would say, yes, he's very, very big. You watch the majestic mountains and the, the roaring oceans and the vastness of the Grand Canyon. And those are just tiny little blips even compared to the universe. I, I read something. And I, I, just, I don't even know if my mouth can say the proper words here. But it's something, you know, light travels 186,000 miles per second. 
So if it could bend and you turn on a flashlight, it can wrap the globe seven and a half times in one second. That's pretty fast. So hurtling through space at 186,000 miles per second, the warmth you feel from our sun took nine minutes to get here. That's how far away it is. But that's just one little star in our galaxy. And they say there are billions of galaxies. I think it was, they said now they, they, they threw somehow, they've got a telescope and they saw this and then they could see out and all this stuff. And the farthest thing they can see right now is something like 13 trillion light years. I don't even know. <laughs> that means if, I don't know what that means. Something about light traveling at 186,000 miles per second and it took 13 trillion years to get to us so we could see it or something. I don't know what it even means. I don't know how that works. And the Bible says, hmm, and he made the stars also. Didn't really break a sweat. So you think, you think the Grand Canyon's big? Have you seen some of our planets in our solar system? I mean, there is no way for our finite mind to even somewhat comprehend. This little mud ball that we live on is so minute and so tiny, and it's big compared to us. <laughs> so what's that make you? I don't mean a blip. I don't mean a speck. In light of that, you would think that we would just... <laughs> happily line up and embrace our humble estate and especially knowing that we are dearly loved by the one who made all of that. But for some reason, we humans get our little attitudes and we are continually on this insatiable quest to make our name and to make our fortunes, and to make our fame, and to make our kingdom as vast and as enduring as possible. That's exhausting at the very least. One of the reasons is none of us know when big is big enough. You hear of people like, they're worth $3.4 billion. It's like, okay, it's enough, retire. Is that not enough? Nope. They signed a contract for $100 million for the next two years. I'd retire. Is that? Nope. It's not enough. <laughs> that team gave them 101. <laughs> At some point, when's enough enough? That's the problem. We don't know when enough is enough. It never ends. And we're constantly pursuing. That's why this is exhausting because enough never arrives. <sighs> we're in the wrong story. Whose story is this? So any attempt to pump up our name is in some way 
and attempt to push the I am from the center. A way to steal his glory. But again, let me hit this one more time. Feeling small is not as bad of a thing as it sounds like. If in feeling that way, we are recognizing and realizing the wonder and greatness of God. So how small I am and just this dot in this little blip, this little vapor that just is here today and gone and boom. But the almighty God who said he made the stars also and the billions of galaxies, he knows exactly who I am. Put that on your resume. I don't care how many letters you got after your name. That one trumps them. I don't care how many zeros are in your bank account. That one trumps it. That's why this suddenly becomes an equal playing field. Because there's no big eyes and little U's. There ain't no big eyes. There's all of us. And then there's the Almighty. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows just how small and frail we are. He knows you're just one person. He knows your limitations. He's God. He knows everything. That's why God never asked you to do more than you are, ask you to do more than you can, or ask you more than you to do anything above and beyond your capabilities. He understands those things because He is going to be the constant supply. He is going to be there next to you. In my own, I cannot do this. But when I saddle up to God, all things are possible to him that gives me strength. So you realize, getting to know him, that we have been invited to be intimately involved and join with God. Who said He made the stars also. He knows you. And God is always looking for just ordinary people to play significant roles in this eternal story he's unfolding. Again, he's God. He's in charge. He can do what he wants when he wants, which means he is free to choose who he wants. As humans, we try to partner up with the best and the brightest, the talented and the powerful. And and again, in its own right, I don't think that's a bad idea in some regards. But for the big picture, God's simply looking for people who are willing to take him as his word. Those confident that with him in the equation... Everything is possible. Everything is possible with him. Put yourself in God's position for a minute if you can, okay? We're talking about earth here and God sitting on his throne and his people, the children of Israel, are enslaved in Egypt, working day and night, building monuments to the fame and power of the greatness of the pharaohs of Egypt. You as God have a redemptive plan. You are going to get your children out. You are going to take them to the promised land. You are going to do this. It's been prophesied. You proclaimed it. You said it would happen. That's what's going to happen. And as God, 
You need a spokesperson is really all you need. You just need somebody here on earth to go up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. That's all you need. You don't even have to have that, but you've chosen that. That's the route you've chosen to do because God, again, he's God. He could just squish all of Egypt and say, all right, come on, everybody lead him himself. But he chose to use some spokesperson. So if you were God and you had this plan and they had been in Egyptian bondage for a long time, and there were millions of people to get out of Egyptian bondage, and they were ruthless taskmasters. Who would you choose? Mm. I'd try to maybe convert Pharaoh's heart. Maybe some powerful person up in that. That's who I'd choose, wouldn't you? If you were going to build a powerful business, wouldn't you choose someone who knew business? Someone who had Brains, some smarts. That's what type of person, what criteria, what's their resume look like? You probably wouldn't have chosen a shepherd who had a speech problem. God wanted a spokesman. To simply go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he chose Moses who just, I don't know what was wrong with him. Maybe he stuttered. Maybe he got nervous and couldn't. I don't know what was wrong with him. A man that was probably not at the prime of his life. He's kind of over the hill a little bit. And for years, <laughs> his wanted posters in all the post offices. That's not who I'm going to choose to deliver my people. Here's Moses minding his own business. A bush is on fire, but the bush is not being consumed. Moses goes over to check it out. Moses, Moses thunders out of that bush. God had found his man. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not sure I'd have picked him. Moses probably assumed it was just another day where he's punching the time clock and watching those stinky sheep and then going to go home and eat some supper. Little did he know his life was about to be changed and he was about to be invited to play a major role in God's deliverance plan. Moses answers, yeah, here I am. God laid out the people, laid out the, laid out the plan. I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard their cry. I'm concerned about their suffering. I've come down to rescue them and bring them out, of the land, out to a land flowing with milk and honey. I've seen the way the Egyptians have oppressed them. I'm going to do something about it. God's mind was set. His plan was in motion. Failure was not an option when we're talking about God. No obstacle was going to stop him. Nothing was able to get in his way or stand in God's way. It was going to happen. God said it was. This is where you're going to have to think with me. God is the I am. All sufficient, which means he doesn't need anybody. So God did not need Moses to get those people out. He could have used a thousand other ways 
to deliver his people. But God chose to use a man. God chose to use someone who would carry his message and lead his cause. God tells Moses, go. Now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. The great I am is going to do something amazing through a mere human. Someone so small. I can only imagine the confusion and how overwhelmed Moses must have been because who am I going to march into Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, God says. How am I even going to get in there? Moses probably had the same thoughts racing through his head that we often have racing through our minds when God asks us to do something that's beyond our abilities. Are you serious? Is this a joke? I think you're looking for my neighbor. This is this house. This is where I live. Did you, God, you make a mistake by calling me to do this? Surely you don't think I can pull this off. But I need you to look more closely at what God actually said to Moses. Because God told Moses, I've seen the problem. I've heard the people's cry. I've seen what's going on. I'm going to deliver them. Moses was not going to be the deliverer. Moses was not going to be able to go in there and pull those children of Israel out of bondage. He was not going to be able to break the chains of bondage. God was going to do all the work. He just wanted to use this route and use a human to speak on his behalf. God said, there will be revival. He can bypass this church. But I don't want him to. He can do it however he wants, but he's asking people just to saddle up with him because he wants to take us along for this great story that's unfolding. All along, God was counting on himself to pull this story off, not Moses. When God told Moses, so now go, he was implying, get up and let's go. I'm going with you. I'm the great I am. I've been searching this thing out. I've been looking for the right person, and you're the guy. And just a regular guy on the backside of the desert, you didn't even know it was happening. But just, I need you to just merge onto the highway of my agenda, of my promises, what is already set in motion and what is about to happen. Don't deviate. Just trust me in this. This is going to be a Amazing, And by the way, I could, God would say, I could do this all by myself. And I'm choosing to use you. So now go, Moses. In all the questions going through Moses' mind, it seems like all he heard was, you go, Moses. <laughs> because a guy who can't talk well, a guy like me, you want me to speak to Pharaoh? God didn't respond with a pep talk. Come on, buddy. Your speech impediment's not that bad. They'll barely notice. Look at you, all those big old muscles. Oh, look at you. God said none of that. God didn't waste any time 
trying to pump up Moses. He didn't work to inflate Moses' self-esteem. In Exodus 3.12, God kind of flips the tables back on Moses, almost as if to say, it really doesn't matter who you are. All that matters is who I am. I just need you to be in agreement and to walk along with me. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to do this. When God invites us into his story and starts assigning us various roles that are seemingly too big for us and too hard for us to carry, his affirmation is always the same. I'll be with you. You don't have to do this by yourself. I'm calling you, but you don't have to do this on you. This is not your story. This is my story. Just come on and merge in what's going on, and great things are going to happen. That is why we don't have to worry on who we are and how well we're equipped and what we can and cannot do in our own flesh because that's all irrelevant. It only matters who he is, and he's the great I am. Moses having a full-on conversation with God. That'd be pretty spectacular in and of itself. And Moses somehow mustered up the courage to ask God, all right, you know my name, but I need you to produce some personal identification. Because how are they going to know even we had this conversation out here in this wilderness? If I go to them and say, God, come to deliver the people of God. They're going to say, who in the world sent you? And just who was this God you were talking to out there in the wilderness. What am I supposed to say? Who are you? God called Moses by name. God knew Moses. Now Moses was asking, what is your name? Who should I say sent me? God is God. He didn't have to answer. But without hesitation again, he said, tell them. I am who I am. Tell them the I am has sent you. The I am declares the unchanging, the constant, the unending, the always present, always God. God was saying, I am the center of everything. I am running the show. I am the same day, every day, forever. I am the owner of everything. I am the Lord. I am the creator and sustainer of life. I am the title holder to the universe. I am the savior. I am your source. I am more than enough. I'm inexhaustible and immeasurable. I am God. And since that is who God is, the I am, that meant Moses is not. I am not in control of everything. I'm not the source, the solution. I'm not all powerful and calling the shots. I'm not the owner. I'm not the Lord. I'm not running anything. I'm not the head of anything, not in charge. I'm not the maker or the savior. I'm not holding it all together. I'm not all knowing. I am not God. (laughs) So we need to get in our own lane And stay in our own lane. God is big and we are not. He's calling the shots, directing the script. We are not. 
And what is really crazy and wild is that while he doesn't need any of us, he is choosing to include us, inviting us into the greatest story of the, uh, that the universe has ever known. God didn't need Moses. He chose Moses. So this, again, isn't about pedigree and brilliance and who you are. This is about a loving Savior who pointed you out and said, hey, come with me. I've got some exciting things to do, and I want you to come alongside with me. So often we get off track and where we put ourselves under the weight and strain is because in the moment when we start assuming that God's hopeful outcome is riding squarely on your shoulders. If one person backslides out of this church, it squarely rests on my shoulders. One's too many. But ladies and gentlemen, if I can't save you, I can't make you backslide. Do I take responsibility? Yes. Do you take responsibility? We should, but we have to understand something. Stay in our lane and let God be God. He is, does a pretty good job at being God. Little you, little me are invited into the massive story of the great I am. That in and of itself should be so liberating and so wonderful and so just mind-blowing to us that he knows us, he chooses us, and he wants us to be with him in whatever process he wants to take us down. I'm going to go. Sign me up any day. I trust some of you. I'll go with you. You start up a business, I'll saddle up with you. Y'all are brilliant-minded. He made the stars also. So I'll saddle up with him with anything he has planned. Well, that's too big. It doesn't rest on me. It rests on him. Well, that's too crazy. That's what his problem is. I can't do anything about it anyway. But when he says, speak, I want to speak. When he says, say it, I want to say it. When he says, prophesy, I want to prophesy. When he says, pray, I want to pray. Whatever he wants, I want to do what he wants me to do. Because it is all about him and his story. Can we stand in this place and thank God that he has allowed us to be a part of his story. We praise you, Jesus. So undeserving of your kindness and your grace and your mercy. So thankful, oh God, that you know the way that I take. So thankful, oh God, that you know my frame. You know everything about me, yet you still say, come with me and let's do something wonderful. I am so in thankful for that, Lord. I'm so enamored by that and so appreciative of your kindness and goodness to me. Help us, oh God, to understand that we can rest on you, that we can cling to you. You are the I am you know the end from the beginning. You have everything in control. Let us rest in that, oh God, and let us, lean, let us hold strongly to that. Pray that you'd bless each one, Lord. Let us walk after you. Let us be salt and light in this dark world. Pray that you'd help us, fill us boldness, fill us with zeal to walk through every open door you set before us. Give us grace. Give us peace. Help us to be what you would have us to be, oh God. And we give you all the praise for you are worthy. 
in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.